Hello and welcome to the Sovereign Collective Podcast, where we bring you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. I'm your host, Sasha Calavota, and I believe that you can stand on your own two feet, but that you don't have to do it alone. I love learning from people who continually strive to raise the bar, to go against mainstream thinking, and who dare to question the general consensus. People are risking ridiculed or even risk the loss of their professional status as they bravely question the common narratives and challenge the rest of us to expand our minds and to reconsider what we think we already know. Join me in learning how to take control of your health and your mind so that you can have the energy to think more clearly and the confidence to step up and take responsibility for all aspects of your life. We promise to never censor here because I believe you are strong enough to hear the real raw truth to make up your own mind. If you like what you find here at the Sovereign Collective Podcast, then please share with your friends and family. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on to the show. Welcome to interview number two of at least three interviews that I am doing with Morley Robbins of the Root Cause Protocol. Today's interview centers around Morley's Root Cause Protocol, where we get down deep into the stops and the starts of the protocol, all with the purpose to increase bioavailable copper in the body. Now, what I realized after the interview, actually when I was going to bed that night and then couldn't fall asleep, is that I forgot to ask a few key questions. Those would be mostly around dosing, sourcing, perhaps contraindications, things like that. So if you feel that I've missed some key information around that, stay tuned for interview number three, where I will be sure to address some of the questions that I think I missed in this interview so that you can be sure that you're getting all the information around how much copper, where do I get copper, is there too much copper, things like that. Because I did want to get into those things and I did forget. So until then, please enjoy this interview with Morley on the stops and starts of the root cause protocol and learn how you can increase bioavailable copper so that you can regulate iron and so that you can just feel better in your life in general. I hope you enjoy this interview and if you do then please share. Thank you. Hey everyone, Sasha here for another interview for the Sovereign Collective Podcast with Morley Robbins. Once again, this is interview number two. It's going to be interview two of three, at least three, I'll say. And we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of his protocol, the Root Cause Protocol. So if you have not listened to interview number 59, the last interview on this podcast, then stop this, go there, get the intro, get to understanding why you even want to get to know this protocol, give it a try, institute the protocol. Because for one thing, it's going to blow up a lot of your health paradigms, things that you think you need to be taking, things you think you need to be doing. And for another, you're going to really, you won't really understand the sheer importance of having bioavailable copper in your, in your body. And this is all about achieving a greater level of bioavailable copper in the body to regulate iron, to regulate oxygen, to just make this being run optimally, really, really important. So as I mentioned before, Morley, he is the creator of the root cause protocol, which you can find at rcp123.org. And I also think the rootcauseprotocol.com. So you can find the whole protocol for free. You can download it, you can print it, you can learn about it, you can follow along everything there. And also what I highly recommend is to get Morley's book called Cure Your Fatigue. Cure, see the handy little copper thing. He has all these cute little metaphors, all these cute little things that he does with letters and sayings and things like that. So it's Cure Your Fatigue, how balancing three minerals and one protein is the solution that you're looking for. And maybe it's a solution that you're looking for. So we're going to go through the stops and the starts, the nuts and bolts of root cause protocol. And what I feel like with a lot of people that if they're not getting 
the results that they think they should be getting. Maybe it's because even though you think you're doing all these great things, there could be some things that are still in your protocol that are hindering the true results that you could be getting and probably lack of bioavailable copper is a big part of it. But also the emotional thing, and I don't think we're going to really, we might, well, we could get into that, but also that emotional stuff, right? If you're doing all this stuff and you've got trapped emotions and things that are in you and traumas and whatever that are not, have not been resolved, then that is a huge area to look at because that will manifest as physical symptoms in your body. Okay, Morley. Morley is a popular guy. He just finished another interview. He's And you can find him online, all sorts of interviews, all sorts of podcasts. Just look up his name online and you will find all sorts of interviews where, you where he touches on different aspects as well. So thanks, Morley, again, for being with me today. I'm really excited to get into this part of our talk. Great. Glad to be here. Um, and what, what I would say in response to what you just shared, when I started this work uh, 15 years ago, I was totally Newtonian. Oh, you just need more minerals, supplements, vitamins, real food, whatever. Now, 15 years later, I'm very much into the quantum field. We got to deal with those emotions because emotions block energy and you got to have energy in order to really bring your body back. And so it's a case of, you know, physical and emotional, they're Mobius, they influence each other. And I, I, most people don't like to tackle the emotional side, right. certainly out of the blocks. But if you really want to have a breakthrough, that's the place to start. Right. Right. And sometimes really bringing up see, even some really basic things. So, for example, I met my, he wouldn't mind if I share this because he just shares anything. But when I first met my husband many, many years ago now, he was in like the darkest, lowest place of his life. Mm -hmm. And he was there to show me truth, but really got him out. What started to get him out of his funk was trace minerals which is one oh, of the starts with yeah. so getting those trace minerals in his body. He feels like that is the one physical thing that he started changing in his regime that started to change how he could tackle this emotional. That that's so cool. Had. That's yeah. That's a classic example of it. Yeah. Hmm. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you got to tackle the emotions, but sometimes if you don't have the nutrients to deal with it, then you can't. So it's, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. So before we get into the stops, so this the protocol is is really designed around these stops and these starts, and in, it's in stages. So for some people, you're probably doing some of the different stages already, and some people's going to be all brand new, depending on where you're at. I've been doing a lot of the protocol already naturally, but there were some certain things I wasn't. So that's what I have been focused on lately. So before that, though, what I want to just review from our last. Uh, chat is yeah. where the copper is in the body like we, we really focus on that one protein that is in the subtitle of this book is mm -hmm. ceruloplasmin really really important protein but not a lot of the copper is actually in there so morley if you could just repeat where we're finding the copper and why that ceruloplasmin is such a key part of the whole thing yeah right great uh, place to start so um when you break down the body and you're trying to find out where, where is this copper thing uh, 47% of copper is in our bone marrow, in our long bones. So thigh, bone, hip, pelvis area. That's where the new red blood cells are being made. It's a very uh, critical area, uh, but it's very copper rich. 40, so so um, for, the, for the folks who are listening to this, um, we have about 100 milligrams 
of copper in our body. So 47 milligrams will be found. That's almost half, which is a staggering amount. Right. And very, very important. And you, well, the reason why it's there is you can't make heme, you can't make hemoglobin, you can't make red blood cells, you can't mature red blood cells without mm -hmm. copper. It's absolutely essential for the process of, you want to get technical, hematopoiesis or erythropoiesis. These are very hoity-toity terms for making new red blood cells. And so um, very, very important. Another 27%, so 27 milligrams, uh, is found in our muscles, skeletal muscles. And muscles need to make a lot of energy. And they do that by the mitochondria. Well, there's mitochondria actually all over our body. I mean, it's, uh, we have uh, 100 trillion cells. We have 40 quadrillion um, mitochondria. Um, so it's, and, and it turns out that on average, about 500 mitochondria per cell. So, you know, these are numbers that just blow your mind. Well, right. every mitochondria has copper in it. So it's really, really important to understand that it's distributed throughout the body. <clears throat> so we have 47 in the bone marrow, 27 in the muscles. Then we have in our organs, another 25%. And that's in brain, heart, kidney, pancreas, spleen. You know, these are uh, very important um, activity centers in our body. And about 25 milligrams of copper is distributed in those areas. And then we come to the 1%, which is in the blood. And everyone is being taught that they are anemic and copper toxic. And, oh, your iron is too low in the blood and your copper is too high in the blood. And the, the difference is 70% of the iron is in the blood, but it was, won't always show up in the blood test. That's important to know. It's all sorts of confusion around that. But only 1% of copper is in the blood. And if it's higher than it should be, what it means is it's missing in the organs. Mm. When, it's under, when, when we're under stress, the way the body works is it's going to donate that copper into the blood pool. And so it looks high, it looks toxic, and it's, a, it's completely misunderstood in medical circles. So that's the, that's the real soup to nuts distribution of copper around the body. Again, highest concentration bone marrow, 1% in the blood. And of that 1%, right. 95% is bound to ceruloplasmin this copper protein. Or should be bound to cellulose. Should be bound, thank you. And when there is, when there are agents in our environment, like uh, too much ascorbic acid, citric acid, antibiotics, hormone replacement therapy, and we can go on for an hour just naming different agents, chemical agents, they will cause a disruption of the structure of ceruloplasmin, it's a very big protein. It's got 1,066 amino acids. 
um, in, I mean, um, what would be, I'm trying to think of a smaller protein, epsidin, very important protein in our body, has 25 amino acids. So it's, it's 40 times bigger than some very powerful uh, hormones in our body. But the, but the point is, there are agents in our environment, in our diet, that disrupt that ceruloplasmin and cause the coppers to leak out. And when they leak out, they get oxidized, but they get bound to other proteins. They're going to be bound to albumin, bound to transcuprine, bound to an amino acid called histidine. They don't have this, those forms of copper don't have the same punch they had with ceruloplasmin, but they're not unbound and they're not toxic. That is a misnomer uh, that has been perpetuated since the 1960s. Wow, since the 1960s. Okay, yep. okay. Probably amping it up these days, you know, just with all this. Oh, big time. <laughs> what, what you've got now is more and more research saying that copper, uh, this unbound copper causing cancer, causing heart disease, causing neurodegeneration. And um, the system is bending over backwards to try to make people afraid of copper when in fact, it's got the keys to the kingdom. It, it's really what runs the show. Right. Okay. Fascinating. Okay, guys. So for more on that, go listen to the last interview because that's just the tip of the iceberg. Because And we even just hit the tip of the iceberg in the last interview because there's just right. so much stuff to talk about that. So, okay. So we are now going to get into the root cause protocol. This is something that I started following oh, probably three, four weeks ago now, three weeks ago. I can't remember now how long it was before our last interview. I am enjoying cutting out a few things, going back to my roots around certain whole food ways of doing things. And it's not that I had to do a lot. And I know for some of you, it might seem like a lot, but it's really not. It's actually really simple in the end, but it's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge you, especially one of the ones around the sunshine vitamin in this part of the world where we are told to take enormous amounts throughout the winter. So we're going to talk about that. So stop. So in the book and in the protocol, we've got a whole list of stuff. I don't think we can go through every single one because that's going to take a long time, but let's talk about some of the big ones. And one of the I think one of the most important ones is iron supplements, right? Like that is a big one that we got to stop. So you want to talk about that and 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 even let's maybe even put iron and calcium together because a lot of people are, oh, I'm taking my calcium. I've been saying for years, I wouldn't be taking calcium. And now I understand that even more so about with with the whole copper play and the iron interaction with, with cal calcium. So let's talk about- mm -hmm. And we have what a couple of days to talk about right, this? Exactly. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, iron is the number one element on planet Earth. Thirty-six percent of the Earth's composition is iron, and prior to COVID, I would have argued that humans were the most evolved species. Right. Uh -huh. I'm not so sure now, but but the point is. Let's play with it. To believe that that there's a shortage of shortage of iron in my body means that the most evolved species on the planet has lost the natural ability to regulate the number one element on the planet. It makes no sense at all. 
We would not have evolved to this level of intelligence if our body didn't have a natural way to regulate the most significant element on the planet. So right out of the blocks, we got to blow up the whole paradigm of you're anemic. The, what the World Health Organization will tell us as recently as well, 2012, and now I think there's a publication in 2018 that says iron deficiency anemia is the number one nutrient deficiency on the planet. Oh my gosh. Here we go again. Wow. And iron deficiency anemia, you're, you're talking to a guy who absolutely can prove that that's a lie. It does not exist on planet Earth. Now, there's another form of anemia called chronic disease anemia. It's also called chronic inflammation anemia. It was first introduced to the medical literature in 1946 by Max Weintraub and his star pupil student at uh, Johns Hopkins, uh, George Cartwright, uh, in a letter to the editor at British Medical Journal, I mean, um, the Journal of Bio, Biochemistry, excuse me. And 1946, and they referred to the chronic deficiency anemia. And that's caused by inflammation. Well, what causes inflammation? Lack of bioavailable copper. And Dr. Cartwright and Dr. Weintraub knew that and made sure that people understood that. That letter, that research that they worked on for many, many years is now housed with the Ark of the Covenant in the Indiana Jones warehouse. <laughs> and so people don't know about that form of, of anemia. And it's very prevalent because inflammation is very prevalent on the planet, as you probably know. And so people have been led to believe that their anemia is a lack of iron, when in fact it's a lack of iron lack of iron regulation. And who regulates iron? The general. The general is called copper. And copper is missing in our food system. And it has been for many, many years. Uh, what's, what's blocking the uptake of copper? Sugar, high fructose diet, glyphosate, farming chemicals, antibiotics. And we could go on for quite a while talking about different aspects of our food and, and natural environment that are disrupting our ability to access this, this metal. And so the iron is in our body. It may not show up on a blood test. And the reason why it won't show up on a blood test is that there's an iron recycling program where every second of every day, we have to replace two and a half million red blood cells. And this is happening in our spleen. So we got the liver on the right side, spleen's on the left side. Spleen is 80% of the size of the liver. I thought it was just a little tiny thing. It's actually a very significant organ. And it's keeping track of iron recycling and the immune system. Wow, that's a lot. Again, picture Lucy and Ethel at the chocolate factory. The, the managers just said, speed it up, boys. And we're talking about two and a half million red blood cells needing to be broken down, get the iron out every second and get it down to the bone marrow so they can make two and a half million red blood cells. And then we can do it again the next second and the next second. And in the course of 24 hours, we're going to replace 
two trillion red blood cells. It's, it's, it's a mind-boggling number. Absolutely blows your way. And here's the part that's very surprising. Two trillion red blood cells. You'd think you'd need 68 buckets of iron to do that, when in fact you need 25 milligrams. So we have 100 milligrams of copper. 100 milligrams of copper fits on the head of a stick pin. It's like, it's so small. It's like, oh my gosh. And 25 milligrams is 25% of that. Well, how much iron do we have in our body? We have 5,000 milligrams of iron. So a nutrient capsule has 1,000 milligrams. So we have five capsules of iron. And we have one-tenth of one capsule of copper. And then we go down 25% is the amount of iron out of the 5,000, 25 milligrams is what's needed to replace the 2 trillion red blood cells every 24 hours. And here's the part that will shock everyone. 24 of those 25 milligrams comes from the recycling system that's run by the general copper. So we need one milligram of iron in our diet. And people are getting upwards of 60 to 70 on a daily basis. So they're getting two months worth of copper, excuse me, two months worth of iron every day because of their diet, the iron fortified diet, iron supplemented diet, iron infused situations, and it's out of control. And the um, intake of iron needs to be reined in big time. And what people need to understand is that if you are consistently low in iron on your blood tests, it means you lack copper to regulate it. And unfortunately, the doctors aren't taught that. It would be a lot easier if they were, but they're not. And if you're running big pharma, selling drugs, you want total confusion in the system. And, and, and what's behind all of the, the uh, symptoms that we've got? Iron-induced oxidative stress. So the more that iron is stuck in the tissue, the more disruption it's going to cause. The more symptoms, the more drugs that are going to be uh, used to treat those symptoms. That's, that's the system in a nutshell. And so the part that we've never been taught is that there's a way to regulate that. And the, and the, the, the labeling on the book you know, cure with a box around the CU. And what that really stands for is copper regulates everything. That's really what cure is. Right. And that's very disruptive information. You know, the convent, the world of convention doesn't like to hear stuff like that. Wow. And so the need for iron supplementation is completely false. And right. it's based on a misunderstanding about a low iron on a blood test what it really means is you have high iron stuck in your tissue because the iron can't be recycled properly because there isn't enough bioavailable copper to open up the iron doorway to let it back out into the bone marrow to make new red blood cells. Okay, so two questions on this. So first of all, you're saying we only need one milligram from the diet, but do we not need iron for other things than just red blood cell uh, recycling like what else because we got 5,000 milligrams in there so great. no that's a great great question um 70 percent of the iron in our body 
is tied up in hemoglobin. 70%. If you include myoglobin, that's another 10%. So suddenly we're at 80% of the iron in the body. And it's it, it saves, serves a very critical role. It's a waiter carrying oxygen and carbon dioxide. That's it. That's what it does. And we we have iron storage proteins, another 10%. And then we have another 10% are tied up in the, in the proteins that you're referring to. Um, iron sulfur clusters, heme that would be distributed. And if 80% of it can be solved with 25 milligrams, I question whether we really need 5,000 milligrams. Mm. The numbers are so um, inflated. Uh, it's hard to find uh, distribution of iron before the 40s. I know they were measuring. It's hard to find it. I I think that we have, since 1941, when they started adding iron filings to the food system, I think we've become uh, human magnets. And we are so full of iron that we don't even take account of how much iron we've got we look we look normal right we look like our ancestors but i think inside it looks different and i think there's a whole lot more iron than we really need now that's just me after reading ten thousand articles thinking about it a lot um un unraveling a lot of uh, metabolic knots for you know a lot of clients around the world and so i just i think that we have been trained to think that we need more iron when in fact we need a lot less and there's a world-renowned iron biologist named ed weinberg he's no longer with us but he was legendary during his tenure and at the first sign of illness he would go down to the red cross and donate a pint of blood oh, cool. to lower the iron footprint to allow the immune system to have more places to express itself and that's genius. I, I, when I first read it, I thought this guy's crazy. And then, you know, years and years later, I, I come to realize when you think about the spleen and how important it is about iron regulation and immune function, that is a very clever way to keep the body in uh, in proper tone. So yeah, you say we look like our ancestors. We kind of look like our ancestors. Our mouths have narrowed. Our you know, we, oh, yeah. our structure is different, and we're a hell of a lot fatter and we're weaker. You know, so it's a lot of, we kind of resemble them, but if you look at a picture of them from, you know, 40, 50 years ago of a, somebody on the, a group on the beach and, and now it's, it's, it's changed. It's very different. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And, and again, we're um, five or six generations into changes in the farming, food processing and pharmaceutical system. It, it takes a toll. And uh, if you've ever worked with a, a Xerox machine, when you make a Xerox of the original, it stays crisp. If you start to make a Xerox of the Xerox, and then a Xerox of that Xerox, and then a Xerox of that Xerox, it starts to get very fuzzy. Yes. That's where we are now. Right. We're six generations into being fuzzy. <laughs> We're fuzzy, all right. <laughs> and lastly, around this iron thing, what if somebody just doesn't supplement, but they just eat a, a diet rich in iron-containing foods? Is that a danger to them becoming iron toxic? Well, again... The, there's yin and yang. Copper and iron hang out together. Even though they have dis different levels of concentration in the body. Again, 
generals, and foot soldiers. Here in the States, there's 242 generals. There's 440,000 foot soldiers. And the generals pretty much run the show. They decide what's going to happen. And that's the way it works in our body. And the, the catch for people is it isn't just about how much iron did I eat? Do I have enough bioavailable copper to regulate it? And it's like we all grew up in homes. We know how grateful we were to have parents around. And they ran the show. Kids didn't run the show. And, and that's the way the body works, too, is truth be known, iron inside our body is like a four-year-old with a hammer. And you wouldn't give a four-year-old a hammer and then go next door and have a cup of coffee with your neighbor. You're like, nobody would do that. And that's what happens when there isn't enough bioavailable copper inside a body that is swimming with iron because they're taking supplements. They don't know that, that that's not a good idea. And then you brought up the, the issue about calcium. And right. I was, I was yeah. talking to a, a nutritionist the other day, very, very savvy individual. And she was shocked that I said, no calcium. She said, well, how do you solve the, the osteoporosis problem? I said, well, do you know what causes osteoporosis? She goes, well, it's a disease. I said, no, right. It's, right. it's a metabolic problem. I said, we're, we're back into the bone. And, and what's fascinating is the bone has, the, the bone marrow that I was alluding to, you know what they have to do every day? They got to decide, am I going to make bone? Or am I going to make blood? It's like, oh my God, they're, they're keeping track of both sides. So um, those are some smart critters down there. And um, what what is osteoporosis? It is a loss of, of the bone matrix. And the minerals are coming out of the bone matrix, especially calcium, because it's this dominant part of the bone matrix. But what's causing the calcium to come out of the bone matrix? Oh, it's a it's an enzyme called acid phosphatase. And guess what activates it? Iron. Mm -hmm. And what's its antithesis? It's called alkaline phosphatase. What activates alkaline phosphatase is magnesium. Oh, so magnesium and iron are kind of antagonists. They've got to be in balance. And who's the referee? Oh, yeah, it's a copper thing again. And copper is absolutely essential to build bone matrix because it supplies lysyl oxidase which is what knits collagen and elastin together. And it supplies something called ascorbate oxidase that you've never heard of. It's a copper-dependent enzyme that prevents mineral loss from the bone. So it's like, it's a really important piece of the puzzle that nobody talks about. People love to talk about strontium and selenium and all these other things. Let's just talk about magnesium and copper and let's lower the iron footprint and it'll make a huge difference and if you do that if you manage the, the the ongoing process of supporting the rebuilding of the bone matrix you don't need to take calcium supplements in fact you could drink a bucket of calcium if you haven't corrected the iron and the magnesium and the copper it's not going to do a lick of good and in fact it's going to block the mineral uptake in your body as it is. And so then just, also about, so we'll talk about your supplements a bit later, but I know you put boron in your supplement and boron has been a big focus for me for the last couple oh, of years. So boron plays a big role with the magnesium, I would say, right? And Absolutely. Boron is a, um, 
There's, what's that? What's that famous article? There's nothing boring. Nothing about boring Boron. about Boron. I, I looked it up after, yeah, getting reminded about it in your book. Yeah, uh-huh. It's a great, great article. I think what Boron really does, it, it doesn't do anything energetic, but what it does do is it mops up oxidative stress, which allows magnesium and copper to do their thing better. I think that's really what it does. And a lot of confusion about boron and hormones. And if we have two days, we can talk about that. But I think it's a very critical mineral that has been niched into the um, under the rug because it, it's, it's it's not a media darling, as it were. Right, right. Yeah, it's a pretty important one, though, I think. Absolutely. Okay, so cool. So that's iron. And so it's not even not necessary. It's harmful. I think it is. I think I think right. it's a metabolic poison, to be honest. Right. Fair enough. Okay. Okay. Unless, hey, real quick, unless someone has been in an automobile accident, uh -huh. or had a surgical procedure where there's been major blood loss, okay. under these extreme conditions, when there's been massive loss of blood, that's a different story. Okay. The average person who who doesn't have some violation to their body, and they have this what's called refractory iron anemia it means they lack copper to run the show that's what has been missing all along and it's probably something you were born with that you didn't get enough copper from your mom right right probably not probably these days there's a lot of things we're not getting from our moms okay so here's another big one vitamin d3 let's just uh gets people really confused. So guys, again, think of this as an opportunity to like switch some things, minimize some things, drop things, add things and get a different result. So however, people will say, but Morley, I've been taking 5,000, 10,000 IU vitamin D for a long time. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, nothing's wrong with me. I'm better. What, what do it takes? So you're not a vitamin D supplement fan. So let's talk oh, about And I'm, I'm part of a very small, uh, fraternity of, of practitioners who feels this way. It's and certainly a, a vast majority minority compared to the majority. Um, what people need to understand is that my strategy was to identify articles that I thought had uh, critically important information that really, to me, spoke the truth, and then reach out to the author to thank them, mm. make that connection. And so years ago, it was around 2010, um, I came across a very important article by a, a gentleman named Fred Kumro, uh, PhD lipidologist, got his degree in 1940 at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. Brilliant, brilliant individual. And he wrote an article on cholesterol. Mm. And I was fascinated by it. And I got his phone number, called him up and thanked him. Well, one thing led to another and he invited me down to his home I was in Chicago. He was in downstate Illinois at Champaign-Urbana at University of Illinois. And he was 98 years old. Oh, wow. Oh. Still still working in his lab 20 hours a week. But we had this beautiful home-cooked meal, grass-fed hamburger, homegrown tomatoes, chocolate milk, uh, it was <laughs> salad, salad that he had put together. And Dr. Dr. Kumaro was famous for uh, a decade of research studying vitamin D supplementation in pigs. And what people may not know is that the, the anatomy and physiology of a pig is very similar to a human. 
Yes. You may know some people who you think are pigs. <laughs> very, very similar. The biggest difference is their liver has lobes, big, big lobes. Ours is more like a triangle, but theirs is like almost like um, an original baseball catcher's mitt. It's fascinating to look at. But in, in any event, um, I was aware of this research that Dr. Kumaro had done. And again, a decade of his life devoted to studying the calcification that came with vitamin D supplementation that was very hard on the hearts of the pigs that eventually led to their death. And so in the early 80s, most of his research was in the 70s, but in the early 80s, he was invited to be a keynote speaker at a conference, international conference, Nobel laureates, a lot of it, you know, very hoity-toity types came. And he started saying, ladies and gentlemen, you do not supplement with vitamin D. Well, he was almost booed off the stage. People were just, oh, no, can't be, this can't be. Now, you have to picture Dr. Kumro was about 6'2", 98 years old, full of vim and vigor. Wow. And I said, I said, Dr. Kumar, I'm just curious. What happened as a result of that conference? And he leans in. He said, well, Morley, I'm the only one left standing. All the others are dead. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it, it was just this light bulb moment and and so then i that led me on a trajectory to find other authors who've done research to question vitamin d and there are many out there i've got a i've got a um uh, presentation on vitamin d that has a wheel it has uh, like 15 different articles that are searing scintillating scientific studies that say don't take vitamin d and um but that's not a popular position to take. But really what it comes down to is the whole focus of the, of the root cause protocol is to increase the bioavailability of copper to increase energy production. And that's what the title is, Cure Your Fatigue. The reason why you have bone chilling fatigue is you don't have enough copper to make your mitochondria work to express themselves so the reason why i'm so strident about this is that when you focus on vitamin d only you're going to block vitamin a uptake and so we're not saying don't ever take vitamin d take it in a natural form called cod liver oil or beef liver has a and d in it other, there are other food substances that have a, a balanced form of, of these nutrients, but they're not mononutrient focused, which is very dangerous because it doesn't exist in nature. Right. And so the, um, the human cry is, oh, but I feel better. Oh, but the research says, and there's tons and tons and tons of research, folks. For three years past, you know what. And what you got to do is do the arithmetic of COVID. And it's, it's based on the book, 1984. Seriously. 1984, very important book about 
introducing the world to the totalitarian state. When was the book published? 1948. Get it? 48, 84. And what happens when you subtract 48 from 84? You get 36. What happens when you add 36 to 1984? You get 2020. And that's what this whole harangue has been to introduce the world to the totalitarian state. And everything's different now. What we're now realizing is they really are out to get us. The disinformation that we've been exposed to our whole lives. I'm 70 years old. I'll be 71 in about a month. My whole life has been one long lie around nutrition, around you, we can go into any field of subject you want, want to talk about. And so the point is, we've got to wake up and start to get more information to get a better understanding about what happens. And so my whole focus is to, is to provide better information so people can make better decisions, period. And the, the goal here is to provide scientific-based mm -hmm information found in the peer-reviewed literature that proves that there's a whole other way of thinking. And the, the notion that we should be drowning ourselves in vitamin D is very risky business. And it's, it's just, it, it is, there is research out there that challenges it. There's a lot of research out there that challenges it. You're just not aware of it because they don't want you to be aware of it. And then, but how do you choose? Okay, so what we've also learned in the last few years is a lot of the peer-reviewed stuff is just bunk. It's yep, know. You know, it's just it's just one guy with the same self-interest is is corroborating somebody else's, and or it's just completely false, and is you can't reproduce the results. So how do you know what it's good? Sign? Who's funding this stuff too? Who's funding copper studies when it's like it's all big pharma? Like how do you know what to choose? That's, that's a really, that's a very important question. Um, I don't know that I have a simple answer. Um, I went with my gut. I, I'm, as I began to learn more information about how the body really works, how energy is really made, uh, how the immune system really works, uh, I began to find authors that were of like mind and began to present information. It isn't an easy process, and I, I wish that it were. Um, it, it is trial and error, and it's a constant process of trying to find new information and old information, because, again, you, there's a lot of wisdom that was found in the 20s and 30s and 40s. Uh, don't assume that it has to be 30 minutes old to be valid research. Right. I, I, I like to go back 80 years, ideally. And really find out what they were thinking in the 30s. Right. Um, so but the people don't don't always think that way. And it's a fair question. How do we know? Um, what it really requires is a level of discernment. And I, what, I, what I really began with, I think, to, to answer your question. After I had that encounter with Dr. Kumaro, especially because of that encounter, I began to question everything. And I said, what if everything is wrong? Right. Let's start to dig and find out what's right. And that really led me to going 
deeper into the past, into the research to find out what they knew back then, not what they knew post-1984. Mm -hmm. 1984 was a watershed year when here in the States, the research was no longer funded by the government. It was funded by Big Pharma. Everything changed when the Fox started research, funding the research side of the house. They just started then. I thought they'd been doing it for longer than that. No. Oh, okay. Not, not at least with, with what I learned. Well, that's significant. That is very significant. And what I love is also one of the concepts that you address in this when you start talking about the protocols, the concept of unlearning. I think we all have to be willing to unlearn. And that's why I talk about this in, in my intro is we have to be willing to question everything that we think we know. Right. And that's there's right. that great, great quote that you have in there about it's not what you what you don't know that's the problem, it's what you know for certain, right? That is the problem. Just and that's what everybody's so certain. All these people that went to school and they did this and they did that, or people just have been following the same thing. We have to learn everything with the education system, the medical system, the financial system, everything. And so this is that's why I love this so much because it's causing me to look at certain things that I hadn't looked at yet. And, and, and an important thing for people to think about is um, let's take the economy. If you take gold out of an economy, it will collapse. And that's what we're witnessing here, at least in, in the United States. We're, we're watching this slow motion train wreck. We're all working with computers. Well, if you take silver out of your motherboard, it will stop working. And if you take copper out of the human being, it becomes very dependent on drugs. And so these three metals, gold, silk, and copper, have been mainstay metals in society for millennia. But the, but the copper issue has never been understood at a biological level. I mean, they've been studying it actually since the, the late 1800s. But the, but the real wisdom uh, started probably in the 1940s. And it's been a uh, an uphill battle for almost 100 years. Right. Interesting. Super interesting. Okay. So when somebody's getting their, so should somebody get their D levels checked? What are they, what are they measuring when they're checking their vitamin D status and what should they be doing? They should be checking both vitamin A, retinol, and storage D. See, people need to know there's a storage component and an active component. It, it, and, and what most people don't know is that the research is based on the active component and they have you taking the storage component. And you think that all that storage D that you're taking will always become active and it doesn't. It goes 10 different directions. You don't know where it's gonna go in the body and you really don't. You don't, you do not know because the experts don't know. And don't assume that it is all gonna go active because the article said it would. And so uh, what we have, what we work with in the root cause protocol is it's called the full Monty iron panel. And it looks at all these markers that we're talking about and the ratio of vitamin A to vitamin D should be three to one. There should be three times as much vitamin A in your blood as there is vitamin D. The call that I just had, the person's was flipped. They had their number for A was 50% of what their number for D for A was, excuse me, their number for A was 50% of their D. They had a very high D, very low A. I said, that's the exact opposite of what it should be. 
she was blown away. This very talented uh, individual, very sharp individual who never knew that. Right. And so pretty common. Now, I bet you there's a lot of low vitamin A, especially with all the people saying vitamin A is toxic and a lot of people not eating their organs and things like that. Or a lot of people saving the world through vegan and vegetarian diets, right? right. All this stuff, our vitamin A levels have to be plummeting. They are. They absolutely are. I can guarantee it that it's happening. And people think that carrots are the same thing as liver. They're not. Beta carotene is not retinol. And there's something called a retinol equivalency unit, REU, and it takes 12 carats to equal one retinol uh, equivalency unit. And so you, can, you need to eat a bag of carrots to equal a tablespoon of cod liver oil. Well, let's do the cod liver oil, get the D as well, and we don't have to eat all those carrots and turn our skin orange. And some people are saying, I know there's one guy out there saying that all retinol is toxic. It's like Accutane and it's going right. to cause all these problems. Right. But that just, that just doesn't make sense to me when you look at what people traditionally used to eat. Like, how does that, how does that, where's the proof of that? There, there, there's two individuals who are beating that uh, drum. I call them the G boys. And um, they're basing it on synthetic A. Uh, they're not accounting for glyphosate. They're not accounting for copper status. They're not accounting for iron status. And they're just saying that everyone's going to get retinol toxic. And I actually have a client in Germany who went down that bunny trail, sent me his blood work, and we were able to unravel it. And truth be known, the, the symptoms of iron, excuse me, the symptoms of vitamin A toxicity are actually iron toxicity and then vitamin, vitamin a deficient which vitamin a toxicity from, people from where um he was taking a lot of synthetic synthetic okay and it was really it was really disrupting his copper and iron status oh, okay. really okay. in a big way right. and so uh he's flipped his whole paradigm doing the rcp and he is one happy camper nice Nice, nice, nice. Okay, zinc. We touched on this last interview, but zinc, I mean, everybody's taking their zinc, they're taking it. Like, so there's one, I, so this is what I used to say to guys back in the day. Sorry, this is gonna be just to remind them, we say, we take zinc for the dink. This is what they say, right? And it's right. so for your testosterone, it's for women's progesterone, it's for your immune system, it's for all the stuff, but you're saying no. Well, Zinc is important and it should be part of your diet. It should not be part of your supplement routine. I think they've weaponized the zinc in the bottle, to be honest. And so the average person doesn't know that zinc blocks copper uptake. The average person doesn't know that zinc stops the ferrooxidase enzyme function of ceruloplasma. The average person doesn't know that zinc blocks complex four of the mitochondria. Well, those are three absolutely devastating impacts on the body and i think we've been um, led down a primrose path that zinc is going to solve all our problems and I, I encourage people to get zinc in their diet and there's and it's plentiful in the diet i don't believe you need it in your supplement routine and what you really do need 
is better forms of the nutrients that we talk about in the RCP, especially the magnesium, the bioavailable copper, the retinol, things like that. Zinc, zinc is just, uh, it has become a media darling and people don't realize that it has metabolic impact in our body. Right. And you were, and I was mentioning the white spots on my nails that I've only ever been able to remove via zinc supplementation, but you're saying that you believe that's high iron that is causing that. Exactly. Iron dysregulation will make the zinc look low. And then you chase the white dots. I've done it. I thought I was zinc deficient that, right. you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. And um, did, it, did the dots go away? Yes, they did. They did. Did my copper iron dysregulation go away? No, it didn't. Right. I didn't know about that. I did. I had no knowledge about that then. I was a simpleton just following what the internet said. If you've got white dots, take more zinc. And I did it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. And now I've learned more, doing better, and trying to teach people to do better as well. Oh, and by the way, this is what I wanted to ask before we started to this is, is did you have things that were resolved? Like how, what was your health status prior to your protocol and, and now, and how has that changed for you? Um, I was, I was drained. I mean, a lot of stress and uh, was feeling kind of tired and I didn't have any, didn't, didn't have what you would call classic metabolic crises uh, my cholesterol was rising. Um, um, nothing else. I mean, it's, my iron markers were looking a little funky. And what I've been able to do through the, the protocol is correct all those uh, iron markers, correct the, the cholesterol. And now I've got, I've got more energy now than I had when I was in my 40s. So it's just like, I'm, you know, I... Um, I wake up refreshed, usually around five o'clock when I wake up and I go strong until about 10 o'clock and um, I feel pretty good. And and that's with a lot of stress in my life because I'm not clipping coupons. I'm not playing golf. I'm spending a good two to three hours, sometimes four, researching very complicated articles and then get the chance to talk to people and say, your understanding is 180 degrees wrong. And that's not easy to do. And then be, be able to cite the literature, explain what's really happening, and, and then try to get people to understand it. Right. So it's like, I can teach it to people, I can't learn it for them. But I, but the challenge is getting teaching it in a way that they can learn it and understand it and act on it. Right, 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 okay, okay, thank you. Okay, just a couple more of the stops. So, you have in one kind of one, you have the ascorbic acid and citric acid. So, but morally, when people think citric acid, they're thinking, what about limes and lemons? They think citrus. So why the citric acid? Well, um, there's a famous article from 1968 by Dr. Osaki at Florida State University. Uh, and he worked with Earl Frieden, who was a famous iron biologist, um, sort of the dean of iron biology for many, many decades. And um, he re refers to citric acid as an endogenous inhibitor of ceruloplasma. Well, that's big words. Endogenous, it's an internal inhibitor, blocker of the most important antioxidant enzyme in the body. 
And citric acid in a uh, lime or lemon is different than citric acid that's being added to supplements. And so what, what the system loves to do is use the same words, confuse the heck out of you, and make you think they're they're exactly the same. I mean, very early on when I started this work, the, the idea that grass-fed butter is the same as canola oil is absolutely laughable, but that's what they want you to believe. And so we we live in this paradigm of of confusing information. Sounds the same. What well, it must be the same because it's close, but it's not. It's like a, a a plastic dashboard is not a wooden dashboard, and we're led to believe that because it looks wooden, it is wooden, and it's not. And so we we have to really uh, challenge our perception of of what we're understanding. And, and that's that's the situation we find ourselves in all the time, particularly as it relates to these nutrients. Do you know what they're deriving the citric acid from when they are adding it to? Um, I don't know that I have a perfect knowledge. I'm sure they're working with some very strong acids like sulfuric acid um, or hydrochloric acid. So people need to know that um, like fructose, not not necessarily the fructose in your diet and your fruit, but a high fructose diet, high fructose corn syrup. Yeah. I, I came across a really interesting article that said, if it's natural, if that high fructose corn syrup is natural, I should be able to go out into the cornfield, grab an ear, squeeze it, and it should produce that fructose sugar. Right. And that's not what they're doing. It's a very... Um, heavily manipulated process. It does start with um, corn. There's no question that it does, but it's GMO corn that's mixed with sulfuric acid to get to the high fructose component that is in everything in our food system now. And so <clears throat> we're not we're not food chemists. We don't know all of these words that they're using. And we're very trusting well, they wouldn't try to hurt me, would they? Like, oh my gosh. When you yeah. start talking, when you look at a nutrient label, what do they have there? They have iron, they have calcium, they have vitamin D, right? They have B vitamins that are made from coal tar derivatives. They're not natural. You think they're natural because they say B vitamins, and you're thinking about bees and bee pollen and things like that. They're not natural. And so the and then just then you start to read the label and the words are about this big. You don't know what, what you're eating. You really don't. And so um we we have to be really careful about our diet and it gets exhausting. It's like, oh my God, what 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 am I allowed to eat? You know, what what's oh what's safe to eat? Oh, but so much. Just look at what nature provides that hasn't been tampered with and look at what the soil that it comes from. Look at how the animal was treated and so much. A lot. It's It's been tampered a lot. We know that. But the average person doesn't have the energy to bat, fight that battle. And that's the that's the, the challenge we face is how to make this um, as effortless as possible so people will take the time and the energy to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah, I think we just have just priorities. Priorities have changed a lot lately. So, okay, so maybe one, and let's talk like, quickly. We'll touch on the ascorbic acid again, and then we'll go. Like, I mean, there's fluoride and toothpaste, high fructose corn syrup, canola oil, like some really, I mean, if you have a little bit of a clue, you're going to know you stay right. away from that stuff. But like ascorbic, oh, say, so ascorbate. So we we touched on that again last time, but we, we want to go to whole food vitamin C complex, right? right? right. Okay. So when you, when you open up, the vitamin C in a food, it's a multi-part complex. It isn't ascorbic acid. And um, people need to be aware that that one of the most prevalent foods, uh, one of the most prevalent food additives are tyrosinase inhibitors. Well, tyrosinase, tyrosinase as an enzyme, it's a very important copper enzyme, is what enables melanin to produce color in our body. All the colors from yellow to black in our body are courtesy of melanin. It, it's, it's you know, our hair color, skin color, eye color, but it's more than just those three. If you open up the body, it's full of color. The spleen is a dark purple, if it's healthy. Liver, dark purple, if it's healthy. And so, Oh, I didn't know that. And so uh, those colors don't come out of a widget box. They mm -hmm. are made by our body. Mm -hmm. And the, the um, importance of whole food vitamin C is it has multiple parts. And there is ascorbic acid. It's the outer antioxidant shell that's there. But it has critical bioflavonoids and rooting factors and, and, and this tyrosinase enzyme at its core. And that's been taken out of the, the food system. And then we're exposed to tyrosinase inhibitors. And why do they do that? Why are they focusing on tyrosinase inhibitors? Because tyrosinase activates melanin, which causes food to brown. It's about shelf life, right. not human life. And so that browning action that's natural, it's part of nature, they're trying to remove it so that the food that you're eating looks nicer and stays nicer so they don't have to worry about it spoiling. Right, right, right. And so also the ascorbic acid is, is, is attacking or breaking down the ceruloplasmin, is it not? When it's straight it'll, like it'll, that? Yeah. It'll blow up ceruloplasmin. Yeah. It was in the original article by Holmberg and Lowe in 1948. It's been corroborated by half a dozen or more scientists since then that ascorbic acid is very disruptive to the structure and function of ceruloplasmin. And copper is actually in the whole food vitamin C complex, is it not? Yep. It's yeah. in the it's in the tyrosinase enzyme. There's right. two atoms of copper. And it's a it's a turns out the tyrosinase is if you will it's it's almost a surrogate for ceruloplasmin ceruloplasmin has eight coppers tyrosinase has two but it, there's properties that it has that are very similar to ceruloplasmin mm, okay super fascinating okay so those are things and stuff starts we gotta we gotta move along here because we're we, we having starts some stops we gotta get into some starts i mean so Okay, so maybe we should start with, is it, yeah, because it is in the fifth. And so 
the starts go into phase one, phase two, phase three. Maybe you're doing some of the, the phases already, a little bit of different phase. Maybe you're not doing anything. I'm sure some of you or a lot of you actually, I've got a good audience here, are doing a lot of these things. But um, let's start with phase one. And then why don't we just continue the whole food vitamin C because so what would where what does that look like to you? So people are like, well, what is whole food vitamin C? Do I just need to eat oranges? Is that enough? Well, it's the whole focus of phase one is to help to stabilize the minerals, help to support the adrenal glands uh, so they're not so stressed out. Um, the, the goal of the adrenal cocktails is to introduce minerals, whole food vitamin C, to really be, begin to nourish um, the, the mineral requirements of the adrenal glands. It, they're really they're very thirsty. And uh, the, the whole food vitamin C is just a great way to support that process. I, I don't know that you're going to get enough of the other minerals just by focusing on um, the fruits. And it's just, you know, what, what people find is that when they adhere to the recommendations of the protocol, it seems to work well for people. Yeah. Okay. So whole food vitamin C sources are things like Cam Camu, Amla. Mm -hmm. Right, some acerola cherry, acerola cherry, right? Yep. Right, right. Yep. Yeah, they yep. tend to be a little bit tart, but uh, I used to actually just mix honey with camu camu for my son and have him eat it just like that when he was That's younger. That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah, it's a good way to do it. Candy, yeah, it's good. So, okay, so whole food vitamin C. So, that is one thing that like dumped off my shelf uh, and got rid of and bringing back in the camu. Yeah, the ascorbic acid. Yeah, so I had a sodium ascorbate powder because okay. I thought, oh my god, it's just like when you're what is it, when you're doing it for yourself is one thing, but you just think cost cutting cutting costs when you have a family yeah. is a little bit different. But absolutely, who pays for that? You know. So okay, so the adrenal cocktail you made mention of. So I've been doing that. Actually, my stomach's funny this morning because I did it differently. I usually did a little bit of orange juice with camu camu powder. Um, the cream of tartar and salt but okay. today I just did water it's like oh i don't know if that's different but dude i never had an issue also and also i'm like oh a little bit funny in my tummy but um yeah so i've been i i'm, I'm quite enjoying that it's kind of a a little i don't know i find it's almost a little treat it's a salty it's a funny taste at first but after a while i'm like oh it's pretty yummy so the adrenal cocktail so nourishing those adrenals and and which i think is really important in a world where we're also told salt lower your salt yes, don't take your exactly. salt and i actually add those concentrates trace minerals and new earth organic mm -hmm. salt shout out to new earth organics guys great local tonic mm -hmm. food uh tonic herb company and i put that in all my water that I do. I, i've literally been doing that for over 30 years since university wow. i've been doing That's that because i noticed such a difference i went from pure distilled water low salt diet to spring water with added minerals and lots of salt in my diet because that's what my body likes. It makes a huge difference. Great. That's beautiful. That's great. Yeah. So we, but that's a big one. That's that's a big one. Is just getting that salt. So real good, whole unrefined sea salt, right? Those and then those adrenals need it. But when people don't have that, and then they go for the chips or something, right? They go for those salty snacks. Yeah, we're looking. We're looking for some. Uh, we're looking for calories, but we're also looking for the minerals. Yeah. And so we'll, we will gravitate to things like yeah. chips. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's talk magnesium because you were originally the magnesium man, right? And that's a huge, huge, huge one. But not all magnesium is created equal. A lot of people are like, well, I have to take. So I was talking to a woman yesterday and she's got some thyroid stuff. 
So I'm like, you're going to have to listen to these interviews. And one of the things that she really depends on is Meg Citrate to move her bowels. I'm like, oh, the Meg Citrate, not the one that I would recommend. She's like, oh, but it's really stressing her out because otherwise she really gets stuck. Mm -hmm. Very familiar problem. Um, dealt with it for years. Not me personally, but working with clients. And um, people don't realize that the, the citrate molecule is very disruptive. Does that product move your bowels? It does. But I think it more it's more of an irritant than a stimulant. And so you're much better off um, massaging your intestinal area with a magnesium chloride oil. Take Epsom salt baths. Uh, work with more bioavailable copper like a magnesium malate or magnesium glycinate and you know move the move the citrate off to the side and I wouldn't wouldn't recommend use, using it I've been ma making that recommendation for a long time and it's helped a lot of people um, because it's like the the that form of magnesium was moving bowels but it wasn't resolving the underlying magnesium deficiency right and that's really what the what the protocol is designed to do is um it's a it's an easy um dynamic to recognize is that someone is magnesium deficient because we we're all stress cadets magnesium is the first to go right. and you can drink a bucket full of magnesium well. and you're right. not going to solve the underlying problem the right. underlying problem is lack of copper causing iron to rise, causing magnesium to fall. And you've got to solve that copper iron dynamic to preserve and protect the magnesium that you've got. You'll still need to supplement with it, but you won't be engaged in what I call the magnesium burn rate. It will You will calm down that dynamic significantly. Yeah, and I think people have to also experiment with what magnesium works best for them because this glycinate for me does nothing. Nothing, okay. yeah. but malate 15 minutes. Like I can, I start to feel it in my legs and in my muscles. And that's where I feel 15 minutes with mag malate and also topically magnesium chloride. I even make my own body butter with magnesium in it yep. and I topical magnesium and Epsom salt baths. But so for me, I noticed that right away. Other people, then there's another interesting one is I recommended the mag malate to someone. I, I always encourage them to try between the bisglycinate and malate primarily, but for her, she can't sleep on the malate. Yeah, that's right. right. It stimulates a lot of people. It's very, I find most people uh, tend to take malate in the morning and glycinate in the evening, but not everyone can do that and not everyone tolerates either one of them. But those are the two most bioavailable forms. Like about 80% of it gets absorbed and people seem to respond. You, but you have to experiment. And there's yeah. 25 different forms of, of chelated magnesium beyond the magnesium in your water, beyond the transdermal, beyond the magnesium that should be in the food, the, the classical supplementation with magnesium is abundant. And you, you just need to experiment a little bit. Orotate is very popular in Europe. Gluconate is very popular in the UK. And so there's just different forms out there that, that you just need to uh, do a little more digging to find one that is gonna work best for you. But again, Put that citrate off to the side. Citrate off to the side, and, and, the, and the and the and the magox. Mag, uh, big big product here in, in the states is uh, magox four hundred, and you're, you're getting yeah. four hundred milligrams of magnesium oxide, and you absorb four percent of it. Right. 
So you're getting 16 milligrams of magnesium. Right. The average person needs probably around 700, but it's based on body weight. So it's that's significant. Right. That's in the book, guys, about the, the math around what your body weight is and, and right. what you spend for, for magnesium. Yeah, that is that is definitely one big one that I require and need and enjoy. And and, and I didn't really notice all my, my needs for it until I became pregnant. And ever since mm. I was pregnant, it's like, oh man, if I don't keep my magnesium up. But then there was a while back years ago where my ferritin was a little higher than normal. So I actually got checked for hematomacrosis. And so oh. if that's, if I'm burning through it because of high iron, that kind of makes sense to me. And I used to do donate blood and I don't anymore because I don't want to go near any medical, yeah. but I got to figure out how to, how to donate blood. And just so you know, guys, Molly does recommend regular blood donation, right? To ensure that you're not increasing that iron storage. Easiest way to feel better. Yeah. Interesting. Lower the, lower the iron footprint and do that like um, quarterly basis for, um, men, postmenopausal women. And for women who are still in their cycle, you, they could probably do it two times a year. I've, I've got many uh, women who do have their menstrual cycle who still do it four times a year. And they okay. feel they feel great. Wow. Wow. Yeah, we got to organize something private here to get that going on because otherwise yep. I don't want nothing to do with any of these institutions. So Okay, so those are some, and the trace minerals. Okay, so, and I mentioned the trace minerals, and that's a big thing that I've been recommending for decades, and I think that's really important. So can you tell us why the trace minerals? They're, um, they're catalysts. They're, they're critical factors in our um, metabolic pathways. And um, they were always in the, in the soil and the water of our ancestors, and they've been methodically removed. So our body is designed to have those minerals. And what <clears throat> what's happened is people are so afraid of their water, they distill it, mm -hmm. turn it into RO water. Well, water is designed to have minerals in it. So when you drink RO water, it's called hungry water. And what it will do is it will chelate the minerals out of your tissue as it's going through your body. Water loves minerals. And I don't know that I fully understand all of the ramifications of it, but it's just, it's foundational to how our body works. Yeah. I discovered that a long time ago when I, like I said, I drank distilled water and ate no salt. And that was a terrible. It works, it works against you. It's yeah. terrible. You're not hydrated. My legs would swell. I would like over the course of the day, I was thirsty. I was peeing like crazy because I couldn't, I wasn't hydrating. It was just yeah. going right through me or staying in, in between the cells rather than where it needed to go. It was just, it was awful combination. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So now I know we're running low on, but maybe we're quite a ways in there. So what do you think are some other things that people need to do? Because there are a bunch of other things, guys, you're going to have to download this protocol, check it out for yourself. But what do you think are some other really basic, I do want to talk to you about B vitamins quickly, because I know you recommend B pollen as your B source, right? We don't want those cold, hard derivatives, things like that. But it's my understanding that the cell wall around pollen is not very digestible. I'm wondering what the bioavailability is because New Earth Organics, a company that I've been working with for years, that's who has the salt that I use. And it's, another, it's a local tonic herb. We have lotus pollen. So it's not bee pollen. It's single source pollen from mm -hmm. lotus flower, green tea, and pine, pine pollen. Oh, wonderful. The, the cell wall has been cracked. And I'm just so we can I digest it and actually ex ex access the nutrients. I'm wondering if you know anything about the viability. No, 
Okay. I've never heard, never heard that. What I do is uh, one of the first things I do in the morning is get a um, like a tablespoon of bee pollen, put it in my mouth, and let the amylase in my mouth right. break it down, chew it liberally, and then swallow it. it. That seems to work. I've never read that there was a a cell wall uh, that got in the way. I'll I'll dig into that, see what I can find. Mm-hmm. But I, it's been around a long time. And, um, you know, it could be, that may be a factor. I've never heard that, but I'll certainly look into it. But I definitely know the polymers, like, for example, I was talking to some, one woman who was saying she used to just get this really high-end bee complex, and she switched mm-hmm. over to the lotus pollen, and she said it made, that she noticed a huge sure. difference. So getting that, because it's not just bee vitamins, right? There's all this other nutrition. Oh, no, the other, other nutrients. Mm-hmm. And the other source that we recommend typically is the organ meats, especially, I mean, really would be liver. Liver is a, a powerhouse uh, source of, of nutrients. It's got so many enzymes and B vitamins and and the metals it's got are really amazing. Uh, it's been poo-pooed, you know, in our lifetime for a reason. And so uh, a great source of B vitamins, especially B12, is um, is the beef liver. Mm-hmm. And what do you say to people who say, well, but that's a detox organ. I don't want to touch that. Um, the, what the liver does is it puts the toxins into fat, not in the liver, it puts it into your fat. And so that narrative of, oh, it's a, it's a dirty organ. That's not true. The the toxins have been put into the fat of the body, not the liver of the body. Right. Makes sense. Makes sense. And of course, the best quality, organic, grass fed, happy Mm -hmm. animals that have lived a happy life kind of thing. Right. Right. And what people don't, you know, people love their barbecue. Everyone loves their barbecue, but they don't know what the origin of it is. It's French. Barb, B-A-R-B-E, nose, barb to Q. Q-U-E is tail. Uh Our ancestors ate nose to tail, everything in between, especially the organ meats. They didn't focus on the muscle meats the way we do. So true ancestral diet uh true paleo i just heard an interesting uh conversation with um um uh, what's his name uh, oh i'm glad he's famous uh, australian chef uh, but in any event he said paleo means old <laughs> it's just pete yeah, evans just, a, just priceless interview with pete evans but um again our ancestors ate everything in between nose and tail and that i mean that's what's ha- that's a classic example of what's happened to society we know what barbecue means oh it means sauce it's really you know it's really sweet it's good no it means it's everything in between and uh, people don't know that and they've lost that visceral truth of what food was yeah now they're just wimps you talk to them about eating organs and they're just like oh, gross how do you my mom ate brains and kidneys. Oh, and Absolutely. And we, we had kidney, tongue, heart, liver, um, uh, oxtail. Uh, yeah. when, she, when my mom tried to get a brain, I said, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I did everything up to that. But um, Okay. So since we're a little bit, you know, I think we're going long enough. What, what are you, are, okay. I have one more thing and then maybe you could finish off with just some key things. Okay. Sure. So I want to 
talk about iodine quickly because I have interviewed Lynn Farrow of the author of the iodine crisis oh. and sure. I do so my four minerals that I focus on are iodine boron magnesium and now copper and I still I like my Lugol's iodine because there are so many antagonists to iodine and we they want to put fluoride back in our water here in Calgary right we've got the the we've got like we've just got the antagonists everywhere the fluorine the chloride the the when, when, when i'm missing the one right now that i can't even think of it right now the bromine and it's such a key thing so you but you recommend more food-based iodine whereas the people with the iodine protocol they're like uh-uh not enough no way we need this much kind of thing and I, you know what it really comes down to is understanding uh, what some of the properties are of iodine, and it's a it's a very powerful substance, as you know. But one of its most important functions is to help regulate iron, and it can turn ferrous iron into ferric iron. So plus two becomes plus three, so it can be bound to transferrin for the recycling, or it can go into storage into the ferritin protein, which that's great. It's really good. And where iodine is being used in, in those situations is um, it isn't just to support thyroid health, it's to help deal with this iron crisis. Well, the underlying problem with the iron crisis is a lack of copper. So I I just took it at a different level of that abstraction. And I absolutely understand the argument about it's being um, challenged on every front with um additives and things like that, bromine and, and fluoride. But I think what's missing in the iodine protocol is a working understanding of what copper does to regulate iron so you don't need as much iodine. Mm. I mean, it's just, and so, um, you know, the the whole dynamic of like breast cancer. Right. What, yeah. What's behind breast cancer? Well, there's five times more iron atoms in a breast cancer cell than a healthy cell next to it. Five times more iron. And so what is very often recommended is to bathe the breast tissue with iodine. Makes perfect sense. But what's also needed is more bioavailable copper to get the recycling system moving again. And that's, as I think, is as important as bathing that breast tissue. Right. And I, I think both are, are, are critical, but there needs to be greater awareness of how energy is made, greater awareness about how energy is lost. It's always lost to excess iron. So we need to, we need to manage this iron dynamic. And it's a, uh, very confusing in the literature, in the, certainly on the internet. I mean, it's just, it's just total disinformation on the internet, mm -hmm. but I think that it's, it's, Iodine is an essential ingredient, but I think you can get um, adequate through the diet and you need to be really focusing on the bioavailable copper, which most people don't know about. Most, most people who are involved in health recommendations don't know what copper does. They barely know how to spell it. Right. So that's what we really have tried to do is have an expertise to help people understand the, the profound metabolic roles of copper that people have never heard of and and then that eases them 
to get past this idea that copper is toxic. It's not. The only time copper becomes a problem is when there's too much iron in the body. And that, so we've got to, we've got to deal with the iron problem. That's the real problem that we have as a species. It's always been iron, right. always iron from the beginning of time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So, but I would think it's interesting how you say you have to, you have to donate. Like I would think the body would have figured out because it's so abundant. We would have figured out how to manage it better. Well, I think what's, I think what's happened is the, there's so much distortion in the mineral concentration in our body. Now, you know, we're, um, we're five and six generations from the 1900s, early 1900s. And there's been a lot of changes in the body composition and in the food composition that's changed the body composition. And I think we have so much iron now, it is overwhelming the body. It's overwhelming its function. And is it is it just circumstance? Yeah, you could probably argue that. Is it partly by design? Yeah, you could probably argue that. It doesn't matter what, what the source is. We got to deal with it. Got to deal with it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Got to deal with it. So prior to this shit show of the last three years, you would say, eat this, don't take this, eat your liver, do this. But since then, you have actually created your own line of supplements, right? Because I think I don't, you didn't used to actually recommend. So you've got some supplements. So let's hear about what you have to offer and where yeah. people can get those if they're interested. So the, the book was written in 2020. And there's no mention of, of the condition in that book. You won't find that word in the book right. by design. I uh, didn't didn't want to age it. And um, about a year later, when I figured out what, what the word stood for, COV stands for coppers vanished, and ID stands for irons dysregulated, I thought, we got it, we gotta solve this problem. And worked with a um, supplement uh, manufacturer, uh, Mike Casey, who's a very talented guy, um, a, a nutritionist in his own right, um, master's prepared, knows knows his stuff, but he's, he's a genius when it comes to uh, formulations. And so I, I came up with the, with the word recuperate, you know, very clever, right? Uh -huh. and, and I said, <laughs> make, make this happen. And he did. And so it's it's actually a blend of surf and turf. You've got uh, grass-fed beef liver, you've got spirulina, and you've got turmeric, and then you've got a very bioavailable form of copper called copper bisglycinate. And all you, you got to do is go to the, the website. It's called Activate FIQ. Boom, you'll be there. And what Mike has done, Mike had a number of supplements that preexisted the RCP by years, almost a decade. And they were focusing on sleep issues and inflammation issues and uh, rebuilding the gut. And what he's done now is he's developed a line of supplements to support the RCP. And and now the, the signature product, of course, is the Recuperate. And the, the cod liver oil is, his cod liver oil is amazing. Uh, it's got mag he's got a magnesium. He's got boron in that recuperate now. You can get it both ways, with and without. And um, an amazing vitamin C. Absolutely, it's probably the most 
uh, potent form of vitamin C you can get from a from a um, supplement beyond what you would get from, uh, from what, food. What's the source for that? Um, I'm embarrassed. I can't think of it. Um, <laughs> I think it's I think it's Amla. Okay. I, but I'm going to have to verify that. Okay. I know it's not acerola. I'm almost certain it's Amla. And um, it's it's just a great package that helps people really get the program started. Really simplifies it. Really simplifies it. And he's, uh, his website now is designed around the RCP. And so it's it's just been a um, an evolving um process to get people aware of this protocol but then simplify the process of getting them connected i mean there are other there are other companies that offer solutions like jigsaw offers a solution smidge offers a solution down in australia there's ancient uh lakes offers a, a solution and a line of products and they're all they're all excellent they really they're all really they're they're wonderful um but i think there's a sort of an ease that's been developed into this formula IQ. And I, I just like the IQ because I'm I'm all about intelligence, getting the body the energy so it has the intelligence. And that was something that Mike, uh, he came up with that name like a decade ago. And it, and it just suddenly just kind of came together with this whole RCP and the need for more energy. And this seems to be helping people get started and really stay with the program. Right, right. It simplifies it. Like I... I mentioned, I think last time I take a handful, I got my magnesium and my boron and my copper bisglycinate and my yeah. liver pills and get that. Done. And I used to feel sick the first few times when I did it and I had to make sure that I had food, but now oh, it was only about three or four times. And now I don't feel that at all. Well, you know, and, and I I should say that I resisted the idea of, of supplements, of having, quote, my, they're not mine. They're I mean, I certainly helped design one of them, but it was, it was just... Um, acting on the, the research that I'd done. I'd resisted that for a long time because I, I don't want people thinking I'm a supplement whore. That's not, that's not what this is about. I'm trying to simplify the process, really trying to make it so that, you know, I love the fact that people read the book. I love the fact that people uh, binge watch my videos. I mean, there, there's some people I've talked to. No, they do. It's just, oh, it's I, like, that's me. That's me. Oh, yeah, that's great. Like, I love it. Where's the next one? Absolutely. They want, they want that stimulus. They want that information. But what I, what I really want to get to is a finite number of supplements that people need to take every day. They don't need to know the metabolic pathways. They don't need to know about the PAM enzyme or the spleen, tyrosine kinase, activating the macrophages. That's like for the gearheads, they love that. But for the average person, just tell me what to take. Right. That's what they want. And just, that's a lot of people that are like that. Just tell that's me. the majority of people. And they ask, they want you to simplify it for them. So yeah. they're, I'm sure they're very thankful that you're providing those supplements. So that's that's all we're trying to do is just ease the process and give people a leg up on how their body works. And I can guarantee you the, the, the biggest missing piece of the puzzle has been the bioavailable copper. People had magnesium, B vitamins, cod liver oil, vitamin C, blah, blah, blah. But there's very, very, very little copper that really worked. Well, we think we've got a form of copper. That, it, I've, got, I've got type 2 diabetics who are telling me I can finally control my blood sugar for the first time in, since being diagnosed. Right. And 
lowering their medications. And it's just, it's really helping people regain um, control over their lives, which is beautiful. A quick question about colloidal copper. Is colloidal copper, does it absorb transdermally? Do you know? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, what, what, you know, the brand? Did you think it of the sovereign? The sovereign. Oh, transdermally. Um, hmm. I don't know why because not. I play around with skin, like I make body butter and sell it and stuff, right. just for fun. And I'm just one. I'm just thinking about creating like a cream with magnesium chloride and colloidal copper in it. But I don't want to add colloidal copper if it's going to be an extra expense that doesn't. Well, I'm going to be at a, I'm going to be at a meeting next weekend with um, Robert Scott Bell, who is representing the the colloidal uh, product. I'll ask him. He'll he he should know. And if and if he doesn't know, I I know Seth Quinto, who one of the uh, owners of the company, and I I'll get you an answer. Okay. Um, my instincts would tell me why not, but I don't know. So I guess it depends on the on the molecular size to see if it's small enough to carried in yeah i mean there's the form that i do know is in the cream is the uh cop it's the um ghk copper and um the reverse skin aging has a, a really wonderful copper cream yeah. uh, for those who are in into the transdermal set but i, I don't know about the, the colloidal that's a good good question and I also want to get the peptides and try because I'm using one right now from somebody else who makes it and puts all these interesting things in it. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference. So, because it's really a big part of the whole collagen, right? Production formation. Totally. Yeah. They're pushing collagen. What they need to be pushing is copper to go with it. Right. Right. Makes sense. So, okay. This is so good. There's so many good tidbits here for people. Did we miss anything? Is there anything you want to close with before we uh, part ways for today? I, no, I think the, the important thing is to, to know that there is a, a completely different paradigm of healing based on energy. You know, we've been raised in the Western world to attack the guest, focus on the enemies. Mm -hmm. And what the, what the root cause protocol is all about is let's talk about the energetic field. Let's do what we can to support the host to create energy, to run a blueprint that keeps us in balance. That's really what it's about. And it's a, we ignore the enemies, we ignite the energy, that's what we're all about. And it seems to be helping a lot of people. It's not perfect, we don't walk on water. You know, some people have really complicated issues, but this is a, an amazing foundation to kickstart the metabolism, get people uh, producing the energy that they've been missing for so long, and then begin to see, is there is there something else I need to do to support my recovery, my my uh, regaining of my uh, metabolic health? Mm -hmm. And that's hot topic these days. Like I said before, it just, it's, it's crazy that so few are talking about it with regards to metabolic health, metabolic disease, and yeah. crazy but and i have to say in terms of metabolism like when i started bringing in more iodine i noticed a difference in terms of of maintaining body weight more effortlessly but i have to say that seems to be moved up a notch with bringing in the copper oh interesting i, I yeah. noticed that, that makes sense yeah, yeah. really makes again, sense I, again there there 
they don't compete. I think they complement. Right. I think they complement. Yeah. And I, and I feel it and I, I notice it and I feel different. So I'm, uh, it's right. exciting. And even like the way I'm, I'm kind of hodgepodging my own thing together, but you know, the copper supplements, they're not expensive. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and like you mm -hmm. can eat your liver, you can, you can, you can do, you can buy more and more least, well, not your supplements, but what you designed and you can do, there's so many right. different ways to do this too. And again, going back to that ancestral way of eating is just such a great way. Things. The one thing that I would add, uh, just as a as a wrap up, um, we're into the um, recruiting season for our RCP Institute. Just to let people ah. know that the, the the doors will open up in a, probably uh, about ten days, um, but but the uh, enrollment will start mid October, and then the classes will start the first week in February in the new year. And we're very excited about this next class. It's I was uh, I got a, a new a new iPhone, and it's a 15, but it but it runs on the Apple uh, software 17.1. And I, I just noticed him. There's a, an announcement here saying 17.03 uh, is coming up tonight. Oh. So, but but what we've got now is the operating system is our classes are. This will be the 19th class so we're on operating system 19 now nice and, and this uh, is for uh, practitioners the the general public who are who are you targeting really it's it's really for it's for anyone who wants to understand this deeper uh it's historically been a third have been practitioners a third are people like you and me that don't have a license or some certificate they just want to help and a third have been people wanting to help their family just really dive in and, and understand it and uh, that that ratio has held itself for the bulk of the years. What we're seeing now is a greater skew towards practitioners who are really getting the wind that we got to do something beyond what we've so been doing. Yeah. yeah exactly. And how long does the does the program run for? Uh, Sixteen weeks. Sixteen weeks. Okay. And in uh, all the classes, there's a live class. There's always a, there's a reported recorded. Excuse me. Uh, portion that they need to review before the class. There's there's readings to do. There's case studies. Uh, it's a pretty robust uh, program. It meets on Thursday afternoons at three o'clock Eastern. So, and nice. and all the all the live classes are recorded. If you can't be there live, you'll, you're never going to miss anything right. in the okay. discussion. Good. Okay, guys. If you want to take this up a notch, then check it out. Go to Morley's website rcp123.org that's where they find that info on there about the class mm -hmm. yeah absolutely Go there yeah. check out absolutely. the info and see you know if you want to deep dive down into this a little bit more like we got to own it we got to take control of our health this it's now or never right where it's not getting any better we got to turn this ship around we are not in good health we don't look good we don't feel good it's time so and our babies our babies like for me i really feel it's my duty knowing what i know to help share this and to bring it forth to my family and you know, anybody wants to listen. So I'm really grateful for your time, Morley. I really appreciate Ooh, that. Happy to, happy to do it and look forward to our next, yeah. next chat. And the next chat, people. So if you've got an issue and you're like, well, I don't know, how is it going to help me? What has it got to do with this? I mean, we're looking at weight. We're looking at the big C. We're looking at thyroid stuff, right? Like there's, you don't hear about this kind of stuff in anything. Lyme disease. Lyme is a big, big, like I know so yeah. many people with Lyme and they've tried so many different things and they're getting nowhere. 
you know, gut issues. We, you touched on gut, gut issues. Talked about it at the Jonas disease in animals in the last last interview, and right. you know, just so many things. So we're gonna talk about that stuff. See how you can be helped. Why maybe you're not getting the results that you think you should be doing with the changes that you have made thus far. And so be sure to tune in for that one. And until then, be well. Please share this with your friends, your family, with everybody. And Molly, thanks again. And I look forward to it. Thanks so much.